Let's, uh, let's now turn to the reading of the word, uh, which is on page five. And we are in Galatians now in our fourth week, um, ending up on that kind of biography part that we had been doing. Uh, and uh, here you go. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from De- before certain men came from James, he used to eat with Gentiles. But that when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I say that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church, and welcome you this morning in our continuing... um, we actually we're sort of just beginning uh, this sermon series in the book of Galatians. And um, this this passage we read this morning kind of ends with one of the more infamous, not infamous, famous verses in Scripture. And um, it actually serves as a bridge to what we will get into deeper when um, we get to chapter 3 and the rest um, of this book. But uh, let's do some background again on this book of Galatians before we get started. As we've been saying, we're kind of going slower. We're going to pull out some of the details for you. Uh, we're going to go a little Sunday school on you a little bit with some of this. Um, but it is so very important that you gain the context, that you understand the biography, that you kind of get historically and socially what's going on so that we can you know, hear the gospel um, that's going to change our lives Uh, Galatians, again, is a letter that was written some 40 or 50 years after Jesus had left the earth. And it's written to a church that was located in modern day Turkey. Now, written by the Apostle Paul who planted the church. Apostle Paul, remember, who, unlike the other apostles, never actually walked with Jesus while he was on earth. But he was an apostle, nevertheless, since the resurrected Jesus appeared to him. Jesus sort of came back to earth for a minute uh, to talk to Paul and commissioned him to speak the word of God, to write scripture, to preach about Jesus to the Gentiles. Um, Particularly, that was his call. That was his mission from Jesus to preach to the non-Jews, which brings us to the issue of this book. Some Jewish Christians, and you've learned this from sermons before, called Judaizers because they sought to uh, make Gentiles be Jewish. 
by following the Jewish laws, dietary rules that were established about 3,000 years before this. With the most important law thing being circumcision, the sign of being God's people given to Abraham 5,000 years before this book was written. And in doing so, they were saying to these new churches and their people who were not Jewish uh, to really be gods. You had to follow the Jewish customs and laws while and after you accept Christ. Christ is not quite enough. Paul, in seeking to clarify what real Christianity is all about, uh, outside of the law, that is, 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 is writing this letter to get the people straight, to help their hearts be turned rightly. So enter some new names that we've read here this morning and some new places in our study in the book of Galatians. First, Peter, whom you can kind of remember and understand by the word first. Peter was the first apostle Jesus chose. Peter was the first apostle that got the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter preached the first sermon in the history, uh, post-Pentecost history of the church. But something else, most important to understanding this passage, uh, wait, Peter was the first, even before Paul was told by God that the Gentiles would be saved through Jesus apart from the law, and it was Peter who first preached the, the, the first racial reconciliation sermon. The first sermon on Christ alone. He preached it in Jerusalem. And that's another new place we see in Jerusalem is where the church was started and sort of headquartered. He preached it first and was the first to convince others. James, who we see in this passage, who was like the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. But there is another first here, the city of Antioch. It was the first place people who followed Jesus were called Christians. And was also the first multi-ethnic and cultural-led church. It was like the Christ-central church of its day. And it was here in Antioch, out of the church in Antioch, that many of the other Gentile churches were planted um, outside of Jewish territory, Galatians being one of them. It was a church in Antioch that said, Paul, we believe your message that you need to reach all these different kind of people who are different than the Jews. We send you and Barnabas out. Go plant the churches. And so it's needless to say that in Antioch, Things were not always very Jewish, not very legalistic. A lot of uncircumcised folk eating everything. They were kind of a free uh, sort of believers here doing, you know, what was not customary in the Jewish world. And, and, and so it was here that Paul confronts Peter. Now, before we get into the details of the confrontation, this is big for Paul to mention this in a letter to anyone who doubted his authority or for anyone who might think that they had the right to teach against Paul because they could just say, well, you know, Peter sent me or James sent me. Understand that in Paul confronting Peter, it was like LeBron telling Jordan his dribble was off. 
like Ryan Seacrest giving Dick Clark advice on TV hosting. Like Jennifer Hudson telling Whitney how to sing ballads. And in doing so, he is saying wrong is wrong, even if Peter is wrong. That the getting the gospel right supersedes personal or historical weight. And it is said to those Paul dissenters, this is what it said. Paul is the man too, as he preaches as an apostle the truth of the gospel. If he told Peter off who was wrong, he can tell anyone who comes with any sort of gospel, short of the gospel truth, they are wrong. So this is what happened. Apparently Peter, who happened to be visiting Antioch Church, probably for one of those week or month long revival, tent revival things, you know. And he was at one of those Sunday afternoon church picnics doing it right. Brother had a plate of pork chops, some ribs, sitting at a table with folks, you know. I'm just in the Gentiles now. They didn't know how to do church. Might have been a good thing. You know, he's sitting at the table and people had their drink in a paper bag. Y'all don't know about that. Y'all don't know about that. Gentiles weren't kosher. Well, let's say cool. They, 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 they did the equivalent of drinking ripple in 40s and, and after, you know, breaking out the poker set at the church picnic, they, they didn't bring potato salad only. They brought the keg. And, and you know, after, they lit up some cigarettes, you know, and maybe even dance in a Tootsie Roll, an electric slide. And right when it was getting good, you know, Peter had just finished doing the cha-cha part of electric slide. You know how they go, okay. He was chilling. He was chilling in Antioch. And it was time for round two of the food. That's when he saw them coming. The heavy hitters from Jerusalem. And Peter, the one who stood tall first, who stood tall first, strongest and boldest, did what we all would do. He changed tables. He picked up the vegetarian plate this time through the line. Ribs, man, please. I'll take those grilled tomatoes and what those special big mushrooms? Folk, anyway, I don't eat them. I want the ribs. <clears throat> Portobello, yeah, you can get a whole bur- Portobello burger these days. Okay, anyway. <laughs> a mushroom burger. Okay, okay, y'all. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, okay, I'm not going down there. And Peter, you know, he, he picked up the vegetarian plate and worse, he wouldn't sit at the table with the Gentiles. He refused to hang out with these folks. He acted like he was following the law all along. When the brother was partying with the Gentiles and people were watching Peter. And apparently this happened over time and it made others. Get this. The Bible says here, even Barnabas, the one who brought crazy Paul to the group, you know, the one who was a reconciliation person, you know, he then he started turning his nose up to the Gentiles, non-Jewish law and custom living people. And Paul is saying here to the church in Galatia in this letter, I told Peter off out loud to his face in front of everyone there. And Peter becomes another first, doesn't he? Verse 13 tells us, doesn't it? The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. 
Peter was the first among hypocrites. And what Paul gives Peter the first among hypocrites in the Galatian church is good news. There's good news in this confrontation. For what first helped and healed Peter of his hypocrisy and Barnabas and everybody else? His being trapped in his hypocrisy of fooling others by it is now good news for you and me. Those who have lived and live as hypocrites. You know, people who call themselves and tell people that they're one thing and actually fail to live it out for real. People who actually believe one thing and live another. People whose belief comes and goes based on the circumstance, the social circumstance, the spiritual climate, whatever that just changes. What you say, what you've claimed, it doesn't stay. What we see first here is that Paul attaches Peter's hypocritical behavior to this theology stuff about Jesus and the law. And he is teaching us that, that hypocrisy, the hypocritical trappings are based upon a false belief that Peter, your hypocritical actions say you are believing the wrong thing or believing wrongly about the right thing. You see, what we learn here is that hypocrisy thrives on a false belief. First being the belief that we in and of ourselves can be who we should be. Look with me at the scriptures, verses 14 through 16. When I saw that they were not acting in the line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish custom and customs? Who we are? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stop right there. Me. What is being a good Jew? Being a Jew meant, meant, meant being the person. What Paul was saying, I'm trying to be the, Peter saying, I'm trying to be the person by living the life God had called and created me and the others to be according to the law. Which, which by doing and not doing certain things would make you feel like you're not ugly before God. That you're acceptable and beautiful before God. And Peter in jumping tables and switching up his allegiances is living a false belief that by following the law with the other Jewish Christians, that by their effort, by their personal determination, they could actually be who they should be righteously before God. And this belief drives Peter to act like a hypocrite. Whether we're Jews or not, Christians or not, this should sound very familiar to us. It is the drivenness of our lives. You know, we all have this law before us or in us, this kind of inner or outer picture or description of what a good you should be. You know, all you have to do is go to Sunday school once and you know what a good you should be. You don't even have to go to Sunday school. You can just live in this world having never read the Bible and there is this law living in you that gives you this picture, maybe not clearly, but clear enough to say, man, I should really be like that. You know, a good person. 
how to be a good citizen, a, a good church person. How should they be? And the lie we tell ourselves, or like here with the Judaizers, or what you may have even been taught by somebody else's actions like Peter taught others, is, is that we can be who we should be in and of ourselves. That we can. And Paul says very clearly here what we just read, what we know to be true in the very verses we just read. Even Jews, we who used to be Jews, we who were Jews by birth, realize you cannot be justified. You cannot be right with yourself, your belief, your God, the law on your own by trying to be real hard and and by your own works what you should be. You will be forced to live like a hypocrite. Because all you and I can do is go through the motions of something that can never be perfect or never really happen or never really make God happy or never really love our neighbors perfectly. There's, it's impossible. Like Paul is teaching, it will just prove how hypocritical your life can be. You can only try to be a good husband in and of yourself. A good friend. And in trying, you will have to eventually play a game. Y'all know the game. Put on a good front. Look like what you want to be because you ain't it, according to the Bible. For what is fearfully true, we can't. We can't. Excuse me. We don't. We won't ever be especially before a perfect and wise holy God, much less trying to show off for some people up in the church or show off for mom and dad. Look, I'm all right. I'm. Hey, you know how you do it? How you doing? Everything good. Good thing they can't see what's going on. How you doing? Everything great. How, how you, yeah, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm, I'm spiritually, yeah. Part two to this is that those for those of us flirting or claiming Christ, hypocrisy. Now, this is for you Christians or folk who call yourselves Christians. Hypocrisy thrives on the false belief that Christ is not all you need. That you know that there has to be more. I have to add to what Christ did to be right before God. To deal with my sin and my failures to be all that I should be or the way someone else has made me feel. To to fix the damage done in me. And Paul says this in verse uh, 15 uh, through 18. Let's read this real quick. Um, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law but by faith in Jesus Christ so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law no one will be justified if if while we seek to be justified in Christ it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners does that mean that Christ promotes sin absolutely not if I rebuild what I destroy I prove that I am a law breaker Christ, what happens in Christ? He said Christ is all that can make us right. Not Christ and our obedience to the law that makes us right or justified, that makes us all we should be before God. And so he talks in terms of the wall. 
The wall of the law of regulations that showed how sinful we were and kept us unable uh, to be right on our own. The wall that separates impossible and desperate sinners like us from God. You know, I I can describe it this way. There is this cruel game I can play with my boys. Sometimes it's cruel. Sometimes it gives me a break. Daddy, I have this game we play called Lion. It's silly. It's just the name of the game. And I get in the middle of the floor and they try to get through the dining room without me grabbing them and throwing them and eating them and all that. Okay. And there go. They got to do something. I can't remember. T- steal a pillow behind me or something. Just some game. Daddy, we want to play lion. And they always ask to play lion right when I'm home and I'm tired. <sighs> Daddy. And I don't have air conditioner my Honda right now. Daddy. Can we play lion? Okay, it's so sad. Can we have a little relationship with you, Daddy? Yeah, okay. As soon as you clean up the dining room and your bedroom, when those all the tracks and cars and trains and blocks are picked up, I play lying with you. Now, it's a cruel game because I know. The three-year-old and five-year-old, they ain't going to clean it up. I'm free for the night. You know, and then it's by the time daddy we're done, oh, it's bedtime. You know, this, this, this kind of, you know, the task, the, the call of the law before God and God said in the scripture, you need to do, not do this and do this and then you can have that right relationship with me. And Paul is saying the wall that you rebuilt is one, you know, if you just do these things, then you can have a relationship with God. No, it's a wall. The law is a wall. Regulations and the stuff plus Jesus that you try to do, it just builds a wall that you can't fulfill. But boy, it looks like if you do it, you might get in good and right relationship with God, but it doesn't work. Jesus came to tear down its separating nature. In his coming that people could have right relationship with God, even... Tearing down the wall, again, I'm going to say it again, not the Ten Commandments, because some of us don't know. As a matter of fact, most of us don't know all ten. But not, not just the Ten Commandments. Sometimes I got the... Okay, but not all the Ten Commandments, but stuff you've decided makes you good is a wall. And Jesus came and said, man, forget all that. I'm te- not forget it, but I'm tearing down its separating nature. The thing that stops you from playing lion with God. And, and, and he said, so what Peter is calling Peter out here is that you preached it, Peter. In fact, you were the first to say it. You looked to Jesus yourself to break down the wall. And now by trying to fulfill this law on the side, you actually rebuild the wall you preach down. Not only for yourself, but others, you are hypocritical because you don't live what you believed and preach that Jesus is all you need and all there could be to create right relationship between you and God and others that there must be you said there must be more to be all that we should be with your behavior you rebuilt a wall that you and your preaching and belief tore down you hypocrite those of us who call ourselves Christians Christ in there, by the way. I checked the spelling real good. Christ is in there. We will live 
at times and teach that you need more than just Jesus to really be God's. It makes us hypocrites to the faith. We too rebuild the same wall that Christ came to tear down so that we can call ourselves Christians. Those whom Christ has brought into right relation with God. When it's Jesus and what you wear, and Jesus and what you eat, and Jesus and what music you listen to, and Jesus and whether you homeschool or not, or Jesus and how reformed you are, that, that's for folk in our little circle, for those of you who don't get it. That's, all right. Jesus and whether you, the good kind of, whatever kind of wife. Jesus and no beer and wine in J- JD. Jesus and no smoking cigarettes, pipes, cigars. Jesus and, and, and just, it goes on and on. All because there's a false belief that Jesus just isn't enough. And Paul says when Christians present, like he told Peter, and live the gospel like that. Look at verse 17. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. When we put rules and regulations with Jesus and we, 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 we prove ourselves sinners, you know, we make Jesus not the sinner. He says, does Jesus promote sin? But the slave master to just one more thing. To, to do, to earn. You know what it does? That's why he has to say, God forbid. Paul is saying, when you promote, preach, teach, behave Christianity like that, You make Jesus the hypocrite. You make Jesus a liar. Who who said, if you have faith in him, we would be right with God. But yet, when you give your life to him, oh, he flips the script. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 And the law. I'm sorry, but I should have told you on the front end. You know, I, I, I really meant, what I really meant was, I am the closest thing to being the truth, the way, and the life. But not quite, y'all. I'm glad you accepted me, but oh yeah, you you gotta you 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 can't wear pants. You gotta wear something else, and then you mind. Oh, or no tattoos, then you mind. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Oh, I'm sorry. I talked about grace and being the savior. I'm like, Jesus is a hypocrite if he's just a 98 percent savior. And you, no, 99.9, you gotta do the 0.1%. That ain't a savior. That's a pretty good teacher, but that ain't a savior. That's a pretty good example, but that's not a savior. And he says, God, but, but Paul says, good news, God forbid, this is not true. Our Lord is not a hypocrite and a liar. You might be, but you might be, but he is truly and completely the Lord and Savior. And the hard part of hypocrisy like this is, is just what we see in this story. It is not just spiritually, emotional, or theoretical. It affects the way we live. This is not a confrontation on some unseen belief alone, but on an observation of what was actually actually going on. Paul says in verse 11, Peter, you did this. 
You acted like this. Your hypocrisy lives out false belief. It has totally burdened and, and directed your eating habits, where you sit, who you talk to. The Bible says he feared the Jews. His life was altered by the presence of somebody else. But with that, it affected the way others lived. Paul goes on to say that his actions affected how others were treated. Racism happened here. Prejudice and injustice happened here. Not just a theological dispute, but the theological falsehood that led to making the Gentiles second class. To treating them second class. You know, who now have to do the old shuffle to be accepted. You know, if your bishop can't sit with y'all When his boys come by, your pastor, he can't hang with y'all. When his boys come by, then the way the person that cares for your soul sees you, you obviously believe that's how God sees you. That you're not good enough because your work don't match up. Funny thing, isn't it? We have this just give me love and get along and we don't have to worry about theology. Pastor Brown, I just want to love and get along. I don't need all that teaching and deep theology but not understanding justification by faith in Jesus alone led to racism and classism and hatred and ethnic supremacy in God's church, among God's people. And like it did here, it is powerful to breed supremacists and racists. If you don't believe it, look at Barnabas, the racial reconciliation guy. This is the Giorgio. of the day the white guy who'd rather be with black people no who it's like he takes Giorgio and makes Giorgio go right wing southern states rights confederate flag bearing church man it just don't make sense Even as a young pastor, I've seen the weight, the burden, the no joy, having hypocrisy in this world because of belief that you can be better by your actions. It makes people slaves. Living, that's why people don't like church. Living in fear that they might not be worth as much to God and the church people in the world. You know, Christians can be some of the most long-faced and depressed and bored out people. And, unfortunately, we can be the scariest and hardest group to come to become a part of and stay a part of. I mean, think about the systems good so-called Christians set up or were silent to. Slavery. Jim Crow. Apartheid. All kind of misogynistic stuff. Hatred for same-sex attracted people. That's us. What happened? Good thing we got the gospel, eh? Because what this gospel does is it confronts us to our face. How can a church be so sectarian? How can it be so racially charged? Because we live by a law that makes us think Christianity and our culture, the way we decide to do things. I'm I'm with you. I want to be free from the way I'm made to feel when Jesus is not enough. When I became a Christian, I mean, this is later when I became a Christian afterwards, 
I was in college and I hang with a, hung with a certain group of guys because these were the Christian guys. I'm watching TV or doing something. They're like, hey man, you need to watch Rush. Who? <laughs> you need to watch Rush. Why? He speaks the truth, man. <laughs> Rush ain't no hypocrite. <laughs> Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to talk bad about people in the pulpit. That's right. But I'm talking about my experience. I'm talking about my experience. I'm talking about mine. I'm talking about mine. Let me keep it centered. Sorry. So they're like, you got to watch Rush, man. And we'll start out reading the Bible and it'll turn to some political thing about right wing, Republican, Christian rights. And they brought some video in. Watch this. George Washington was a Christian. And blah, blah, blah. And all these things. And, you know, got this clean cut guy up there with this blue suit with the red tie and white shirt looking like a walking American flag and I'm thinking what is this what have I gotten into and it made me begin to hate everything black church man y'all so emotional up in there you're right what's up with all of that pastor sweating and carrying on that ain't right You hate yourself, fool. (laughs) Hypocrisy. The weight. The burden. I mean, Jesus, if Jesus started a movement that creates an empty, driven to be better and not enough way of living, no rest, no assurances, always keeping up with the Joneses and the church keeping up with real Christians, staying away from certain people, looking down on others and being looked down upon others, it makes us automatic liars. Automatic self-deceptive hypocrites who go around not able to say what is really true about yourself. Man, Christians, we the one with the closet. Because we don't, we don't want nobody to know. Because you are probably living in hypocrisy if no one outside of your immediate family knows your sins or issues. You know why? Because you got this law in your mind that if they find out this, Jesus can't be enough and they're going to make you condemned and have to do something you can't do. We will live unknown and fake Pretending that we're okay and not sinners. You know, I, I try. I want to believe people that happy on TV when they be preaching all. Jesus. I mean, just, just come on. You know, just kind of pretending we're okay or not sinners and then actually get caught up in making rules for others about what they drink or dress or listen to. And yet we ourselves don't win. Nobody know us. How can that be? You and I really live one way, but before summer, most people are forced to fear and to appear like we have it all together. This is what Jesus plus something does. You never know. You're always hiding it. You know, just, just faking it, man. So make, okay, I'm not going down there. Man, face it. We all hypocrites. This whole room, not one person ain't. We all lie about God. 
even if we don't really believe and we kind of lie our way about how he feels about it. You know, God understands. I don't have to believe there's really this and that. We lie. And to each other and to ourselves. But good news. The gospel is for hypocrites. Christianity, Christ, is for hypocrites. Look what Paul does here. This is amazing. Well, she says in, in verse 18, so going back to the wall, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no, no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. He doesn't give Peter ways of getting better. Peter, you just need to stop doing that. That's not what he does. He does say, you know, you're doing wrong. See, next paragraph, stop doing that. But here's the reason. He gives him the gospel. He says, Peter, yes, you are a sinner, but Peter, Galatians, whoever's listening, you here today, Jesus did. Jesus, did you forget? Did you know? He is a savior of sinners. And with testimony style, like he's kind of telling the story as one Paul, who with crazy hypocrisy himself, thought when he was killing Christians, God was up there being happy. Says this. Let me tell you the good news for us hypocrites. Or those who are drawn to live like hypocrites. We hypocrites must be and have a chance to be hidden in Christ. In Christ, we are in Hypocrites Anonymous. Because we are made anonymous to the law's ability to make us feel like losers. It can't touch us. If we're in Christ, Paul calls it dead to the law. It can't and won't disqualify us from being gods. In Christ, the hypocrite is already all that he or she should be before God. And so as Paul says, the life he lives, he lives by faith. He lives believing that Jesus makes his hypocritical self and even can call Peter and Barnabas out of their hypocritical self into a place where they can live freely. And now he's saying you can live this life not in fear of being found not good enough, jumping from here to there, putting on this, changing this, covering up this, lying to ourselves and each other, pretending we are better than we are because hypocrites in Christ are given what they most need. Justification, rightness, okayness, acceptance before God. You don't have to play the game no more. In Christ, you triumph over a law and a world and a people of laws that tease you and badger you relentlessly about how much we aren't what we should be. And the irony is this. In Christ, the sinner, the hypocrite's rejectable behavior is made anonymous, null to having a right relation with God. And as one hidden in Christ, you appear before God as one who is true and real. 
and not a liar. To live and declare the truth. Lord, people, I am a sinner. And my Lord is a savior. A writer of me and us sinners. And this is how I'm living. This is how I'm making it. And he is saying, come out of the life of pretense and performance, of acting, of being the good church person game, and come into Christ. Christ makes himself available in a number of ways and places in his church and through the ministry of his church and his people and his gospel. And in doing so, be drawn by him with others who like me. I can do this testimony style. (laughs) With broken but true joy and hope and freedom, like those anonymous meetings, can declare I am Pastor Howard Brown. And I am a hypocrite. One who is tempted to and fails and falls into faking it and lying and makes a liar of my Lord at times. You know that Jesus says and does for you and me. He welcomes us. He calls us to hope. He calls you from having to jump back and forth and pretend. And he brings you into real, and this word's used a lot, authentic relationship with God. Hypocrites. Anonymous. Because you're hidden in Christ. Let us pray. Lord, uh, help our lives to be hidden in Christ. So that we can be dead to the law. That it would have the no effects, that it wouldn't have the effects of making us have to live like hypocrites anymore. Heal us by your grace, not by the law. Hide us in you. Teach us the way of holiness, real holiness. By being in you and not in what we think and what law we think we can be made right by. Help us, Lord. Thank you for your gospel that calls even hypocrites to freedom and salvation and hope. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.